Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Thursday Morning Report. This was a project I did a few years back in partnership with Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, where I volunteered as an engineer, host, and producer. Enjoy this one-hour interview program that went out live over the radio on KZYX. If you like what you are hearing, you can check out my current podcast, The Shift with Doug McKenty, on your favorite podcast hosting site, or find out more on Facebook and YouTube at The Shift with Doug McKenty. I'm also on Twitter at McKenty. If you want to support the program, look up The Shift on Patreon, or find it on the web at www.theshiftnow.com and click on subscribe. Subscribers receive access to full-length feature episodes of The Shift, as well as the membership forum, where members can engage in discussions and participate in the evolution of the show. Stay tuned for this episode of the Thursday Morning Report from KZYX Radio in Mendocino County, California. And good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Thursday Morning Report right here on KZYX. I'll be your host, Doug McKenty. This morning, I'm speaking with a founding member of the Revolutionary Communist Party, member of the Fort Lewis Six, as well as co-founder of the October 22nd Coalition to Stop Police Brutality, uh, Mr. Carl Dix. We're going to discuss uh, the new release of a, a new constitution for the new Socialist Republic of North America. And uh, here we go. Good morning, Mr. Dix. Are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Perfect. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good, Doug. I guess you're. it's the afternoon there, huh? Uh, yeah, just did turn afternoon. Just afternoon. You're in New York? I'm in New York. All right. Brooklyn, well, to be exact. Right on. It's bright and early here, 9 o'clock in the morning, so we're waking people up uh, talking about the revolution this morning. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit uh, about your history and how you've gotten to where you are today. Okay, um, I guess the first thing to speak to is growing up in the 1960s, seeing what was happening in this country, especially with uh, black people being um, struggling for just basic rights and being brutally suppressed by the government, seeing dogs sicked on black children who were even younger than I was just for marching for the right to vote, but also seeing the war in Vietnam going on and being somebody who was of draft age in the 1960s and who, in fact, got drafted. And I thought I had dodged going to the war when I got orders to go to Germany coming out of training. But it turned out that was just a little bit of on-the-job training because they levied half of my unit from Germany to go to Vietnam. And I had to confront that decision of was I going to go and be a part of this war that uh, so many people were protesting here in this country or not. And because there was such a wide protest movement and so many people were involved in it and bringing out a lot of information and exposure about that war. I was able to determine that this was a war that was aimed, this is the war in Vietnam, was aimed at crushing the liberation struggle of the Vietnamese people. And I decided that I could not go and be a part of that suppression, especially not in a situation where, you know, other black people were struggling for freedom here. Why would I go 10,000 miles across the water to stop some other people struggling for freedom? So I refused to go to Vietnam. I uh, got sentenced to two years in the Leavenworth Military Penitentiary for that stand. And it was in Leavenworth that I became a revolutionary and a communist because I could see that there were things that were wrong. Digging underneath things like 
aggressive, unjust wars and the inequality that black people faced. I saw a system, a capitalist system, but I also saw a solution to that system that was revolution and socialism leading to communism. So that's when I became a revolutionary communist. I came out of prison looking for organization that was on that tip and eventually hooked up with uh, the Revolutionary Union, which was one of the main forces involved in forming the Revolutionary Communist Party in 1975. And uh, I've been on this road ever since. So let's let's discuss. Let's just jump uh, now into the present and uh, and how do you interpret what's going on right now? Maybe talk a little bit about President Obama and what's happening in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, how do you perceive uh, you know the things that are going on, including maybe the the banker bailout even and the economic situation from your point of view? Well, from our point of view, what we are being treated to is what a capitalist imperialist system inflicts on humanity. I mean the wars that are being waged in Afghanistan and Iraq and being spread into Pakistan and even carried out on a low level in places like Yemen and Somalia are the wars for imperialist domination of much of the world to keep that in effect and also to defend that domination not only against people who don't want to be dominated but also against rival imperialists. That's what was going on when Bush started this war on terror, and although Obama dropped the terminology, he has carried forward the same thrust of a war to maintain and extend U.S. global domination. And, uh, I mean, as far as the bailouts, on the one hand, they stemmed from the very working of the capitalist system, the drive for ever more avenues of profits um, through some of the subprime loans that were being given that ended the people ended up defaulting on massively but also the way in which those loans were bundled and traded among the capitalists and especially the financial institutions which led to the collapse and then you saw a certain bipartisan unity on the part of republicans and democrats to bail out the largest banks and things like the auto companies because that's the role that the government and the laws and even the Constitution play in a capitalist society. It is, they exist and work to keep capitalism functioning, maintain it, and keep it in effect. And, you know, a lot of people thought Obama was going to represent something different, but that was not going to be the case. He was going to be a representative of the same system that Bush was a representative of, there are some differences in program among the people on the top, and you see that manifested in some of the attacks on Obama and even the views that he's not even legitimate coming from uh, the Tea Party and other forces on the right. But what they reflect is forces that are united on keeping capitalism in effect but differing over exactly how to do it. And the virulence of these attacks reflect a a certain desperation flowing from some of the troubles that capitalism has encountered over the past few years with the difficulty in pulling out of the economic downturn that they're up against. And people who want to see things like the wars for empire, like the continued brutality and suppression directed at black people and other oppressed nationalities, 
and like some of the financial troubles that you see going on, because while they bailed out the banks and the auto companies, people who were losing their homes were left out, hung out to dry and left that way. People who have lost their jobs are also have been left that way, you know. So if you want to see those kinds of problems ended, it's not going to be through either of the parties or even a third party, whether it's the conservative Tea Party type or something like that, because they all represent the same system. It's going to take a revolution, and we in the Revolutionary Communist Party are building a movement for revolution, a movement that spreads everywhere the message that things don't have to be this way, that through revolution we could bring a totally different and far better society into being, and a movement that builds resistance to some of the main ways that uh, this system is attacking people here in this country and around the world. So, um, can you uh, can you explain to our listeners what is uh, sort of fundamentally what's wrong with the uh, current constitution? Why have you chosen not to work within the parameters of the current one, and uh, and why do you feel that you know we need to start from scratch here again? Well, we need to start from scratch because what a constitution is is it's just a vehicle for maintaining and keeping in effect the existing system. And that's what the U.S. Constitution has been from the beginning. It has been altered at certain points because the actual relations of the system have changed. Because if you go back to the beginning, the U.S. Constitution was actually a compromise between the existing slave owners in the southeastern U.S., and the developing capitalists and merchant capitalists in mainly in the northern U.S. As things developed and as slavery came into very sharp contradiction, even sharper contradiction with capitalism, the Civil War exploded and slavery ended up being crushed and done away with. And at that point, the Constitution was changed. But what was changed was a form of exploitation was eliminated in favor of another form. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is getting to a society where exploitation and oppression has been ended, and you can't do that within the document that's the United States Constitution, because part of what it enshrines is exploitation. You know, it doesn't trumpet that this is an exploiter's document, but when you look at the rights that it talks about people enjoying, it covers over the fact that if a capitalist has their right to uh, pursue their livelihood, then workers don't have the right to exist without being exploited. And what we're talking about is ending that exploitation, bringing a different society into being. And that different society would be one where there's no longer a handful of rich people who own the natural resources, own the mines, the factories, the large farms, with millions and millions of other people reduced to having to work for one of them in order to make a living and support their families, or to starve if they can't find a capitalist who wants to exploit them, who can make a profit from exploiting them. Well, we're going to end that by making that property, those natural resources, those factories, those mines and large farms, the collective property of all of society. In other words, new economic relations would be brought into being, and that would require a different political system and a different constitution. And 
we have issued a draft proposal of a constitution for that kind of society today. And in fact, we put it up on the uh, web this just this past Monday, November fifteenth. Yeah. Do you have that website, by the way? Uh, yes, it is www. Revcom.us. That's R-E-V-C-O-M dot U-S. And we really encourage people to go to the site, read the document there. If people want to get the hard copy, they can find out from that site how they could go about getting it. Because we want people to read this. We want people to consider the kind of society that it's talking about, how that society is organized how it differs from this society, as well as there are a couple of things that would, might strike people. Oh, well, gee, that's similar to this society because we actually determined that things like separation of powers was an actual correct principle that could be applied in a society where exploitation and oppression has been ended, although applied in different ways. We also want people to look at how it relates to constitutions and organization of previous revolutionary societies, because from one end, we uphold and continue some of the principles from a society like China under Mao Zedong when it was a revolutionary society, not like it is today, because although they still call it communist, it's as capitalist as you could get, and in fact, China has become an international sweatshop where capital from all over the world can exploit the Chinese workers, and that's not what revolution is about. But we also had to break with the principles of China under Mao, because in certain respects, we thought that there were errors and shortcomings to it that uh, stood in the way of a society in transition to the end of exploitation and oppression. And that's some things that Bob Avakian, the leader of the Revolutionary Communist Party, has been developing in his work. And that work is applied and concentrated in this Constitution. Carl, let me just uh, take a second here to remind those of you who are just joining us. Uh, It's 9.18. You're listening to the Thursday Morning Report on KZYX. I'm your host, Doug McKenty, and this morning I'm speaking with uh, Carl Dix, a founding member of the Revolutionary Communist Party. We're talking about uh, the just-released Constitution for the New Socialist Republic in North America. Uh, What exactly does it mean that it's a draft proposal? How is it going to be ratified then? Well, it actually is going to be ratified by... uh, Because here's the deal about it. Mm -hmm. This is obviously a society in the future, and we are not presuming to say that what we write right now gets imposed on that society. In fact, it will have to be taken up by that revolutionary society. And the form through which that'll happen is that uh, it would be ratified by a national executive, which would be brought into being through elections held uh, about six months after the new revolutionary society is brought into being. And the way that the revolutionary society would have to be brought into being would be through a revolutionary people defeating and dismantling the forces of this order. It'll take a revolution to bring this kind of, this kind of society into being. And there would be a revolutionary, an interim revolutionary executive-type government brought into being that would play the role of 
organizing and carrying out elections for the national executive, which would then ratify the Constitution or make amendments to it, whatever, or reject it, because it'll be up to them to, to deal with that. But we're laying out the principles that we think should govern this kind of society. And the point about it is the principles that we tried to lay out flow from the fact that this would be a radically different society, one where, as I was talking about, the economic relations are radically different. And flowing from that, the political and social relations in society would be radically different. But also it would be a society that was in transition, one that is the way the world and the way people would be in the immediate aftermath of a revolution, but moving towards a different society and even different people, people who had gotten developed to the point where they were ready and willing and, you know, enthusiastic about working in common for the common good and receiving in return what they needed to uh, live a life worthy of human beings. And that's very different than the competitive kind of stuff that's promoted today, the lookout for number one, stab other people in the back in order to get yours, which a lot of people say, well, that's human nature, people are greedy, but that's actually far from what's real. What's real is that existing in a society where the way in which it works pushes you in the direction of being competitive and looking out for number one actually leads to people acting in that way. Well, we think if we can get beyond this kind of society and bring a different society and different relations among people into being, then people themselves would be different. Yeah, I just imagine what would happen if we stopped spending so much money on the military alone and, and stopped having that, uh, what appears to me to be an imperialist force is so overwhelming and so much time and energy just spent on that. <laughs> yeah, see, that's a, a very good point that you bring up. Yeah. Because they raise this point about, well, there's the debt and we have to do something about the debt. What is not on the table in this discussion among the political forces in D.C. are the hundreds of military bases the U.S. has around the world, the large numbers of, of troops. Because it's not even just Afghanistan and Iraq. There's tens of thousands of U.S. troops in Korea. There's U.S. troops in Europe. The U.S. has bases in many other countries. This is not discussed in terms of, well, how are we going to reduce the debt, nor are the billions and billions of dollars that are being spent on new and more advanced and more destructive weapons, you know. And the reason those aren't discussed is that that's a bottom-line requirement if you're going to be a global empire. You have to actually defend it and be in position to even advance it. So that would be a difference, because in this new revolutionary society, one of the first things that would be done would be to renounce U.S. global holdings and dominations around the world. The bases would be closed down. The troops would be pulled out. And in fact, the military structure would be dismantled, and a new people's security force that existed not to occupy and hang on to other parts of the world or defend the ability to exploit other parts of the world, but solely for the purpose of defense 
within whatever territory makes up the revolutionary society. And that's actually another point about the title, mm-hmm. because it says, for a future socialist republic in North America, and some people have said, does that mean you're including Canada and Mexico? And that's actually not the point. The point is, you can't say exactly what the territory of this new revolutionary society would be. Um, it might be the territory of the United States, but it also might be less than the territory of the United States. There might be a section of it that the revolution doesn't succeed in liberating, but we would declare the socialist republic in that section that was liberated. It's also possible that there would have been revolutionary upsurges in Mexico, and there might be a move in the southwest part of the United States among people descended from Mexico to want to return to Mexico, and a revolutionary society would grant people that right to be determined through a referendum or plebiscite of people in the Southwest, as well as other forms of autonomy and self-government in terms of the indigenous people, and uh, also possibly in terms of African-American people. All of that's spoken to in the uh, Constitution, and it comes down to that we're not wedded to the borders of the United States. We're actually looking for what's the way to contribute the most to the emancipation of humanity. Yeah, very cool. Um, uh, let's just get back to talking about the specifics of the Constitution itself. What, uh, okay. what is the, I, I guess the question I wanted to ask you is, what is the spirit of the Constitution? You know, what's, what's different about it that makes it different from our current Constitution? What are, what are some of your favorite aspects about it, I guess, that you'd like, to, you'd like the people to hear? Well, one of the key things about it is the new governmental structure would be based on, one, the active participation of the millions and millions of people who were involved in making the revolution. That's one thing, that uh, it would not be, okay, you made the revolution, go home and let us run things for you, and we'll do better than the guys who ran it under capitalism. I mean, frankly, I think we could do better, yeah. <laughs> but that's not the point, and it won't get us where we need to get to. Where we need to get to is a point where everybody is consciously and actively involved. Now, initially, everybody won't want to be involved. People, some people will want to go home and be left alone. Some people will want to go off in different directions. And that's the other point about it. It is done from a spirit of unleashing as much diversity, as much inquiry, as much interrogation, and even dissent, including from people who don't support the aims of the revolution. And this reflects one of the things that we've seen, we saw as a shortcoming in even the revolution in China under Mao and even in the great proletarian cultural revolution, because where Mao called on the workers, peasants, and students to get involved in bombarding the headquarters and calling into question and even opposing leading members of the Communist Party who were taking things back down the road to capitalism, what they focused on and were limited to unleashing were those people that they felt agreed with the revolution. Why we think that's a shortcoming is that you have to hear from everybody, including from the people you might not want to hear from because they're going to tell you you're messing up and you're doing the wrong thing. And we feel we need to hear from them because 
they can be a source of truth and reality that you won't necessarily hear from the people who are with you. And you need to know reality as deeply and as accurately as possible in order to transform it. You know, so somebody who's not with the revolution might be able to bring something forward that might be painful to hear about, but you need to know about because it reflects some areas where the revolution isn't doing so well and needs to get its act together. So you need to have that unleashed as part of getting to a world where you no longer need any government structure. And that's Hmm. what a communist world would be like. It would be a world where people are consciously and voluntarily getting involved in the process of transforming themselves and the world. And that's where we're aiming to go, and we feel like that's the kind of process that would get you there. And that's some of the things that really hit me. And then that actually comes down in terms of a number of concrete things that are in the Constitution, like the way that uh, the media is going to be dealt with, the way that uh, education is going to be dealt with. And we could talk about things like that if you want it. Yeah, absolutely. I do need to take another second here to remind everyone they're listening to the Thursday Morning Report. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. This morning I'm talking with Carl Dix, uh, a founding member of the Revolutionary Communist Party here in the United States. They have just released a constitution for the new socialist republic in North America. And so uh, we're going over some of the more salient points. The time is now 9.29, and I do have just another bit of underwriting to uh, talk about here for a moment. Uh, Support for the Thursday Morning Report comes from our members and the Boonville General Store, serving local and organic handmade food for breakfast and lunch seven days a week in downtown Boonville. They are now taking orders for their traditional holiday baked goods as well as wheat-free versions of their handmade Thanksgiving pies, offering butterscotch pecan pies, fresh fruit tarts, and sugar pie pumpkin pies. Orders can be placed in-store or at 895-9477. All right, we have a half hour left in the program. i try to get as much uh, information as we can out of Mr. Dix, and I'll start taking calls here in a few minutes. So if you have a question for our guest, you'll get an opportunity uh, to get in on the conversation. So do you envision a, a, like a one-party system? Or, you know, where, where it's the communists are running against communists? Or, or is there going to be a multi-party situation where people have, uh, when you have elections, there would be uh, lots of different, different perspectives? Well, there will not only be different perspectives competing, we think it's actually important that there be different perspectives within the governmental structure. I mean, and the way we're going to organize the elections is that uh, there's going to be a national executive, which will somewhat play the role, a role similar to the role that uh, Congress plays today. There won't be the separation between a Senate, which is a kind of like, you know, two representatives from every state, and then the House, which is based upon population. It'll be more based, it'll be based completely on population. Mm -hmm. And some sections of it will run, you know, just in terms of popular vote. Other sections will be a question of slates that are put forward. Um, in some cases, there will be slates that the party puts together, but then there will be other slates and individual candidates who would run. And even among the slate that the party puts together, we think it would be important for us to not put together a slate which only represents our viewpoint, because 
about needing to hear from people who aren't with you on the part of the Revolutionary Society mm-hmm. would also be important in the governing structure of the Revolutionary Society. It wouldn't actually work out for what we're trying to do, which is a transition to communism, if the dissenting voices were all outside the government. We would want some of them to be in the government making the arguments for why things shouldn't be done so that people could hear them and make an informed choice around this. And the point involved here, it's actually something that uh, Bob Avakian draws from John Stuart Mill, in that it's not enough to hear a viewpoint characterized by someone who doesn't agree with it. You actually need to hear a viewpoint from, I think, Mill's exact term is from its most ardent proponents, so that you're hearing it put forward in the best way possible, and then on that basis can determine whether it's correct or incorrect, or whether it has correct aspects and incorrect aspects, and how to separate that and divide it. Um, And that's part of this goal that we have of reaching a point where people consciously and voluntarily are involved in participating in society. So that would be how we would approach the elections. And then we would also approach things like the media in ways that relate to that. Because, I mean, today you've got a media where essentially the loudest voices are the capitalist media that plays a role of creating public opinion in relation to the system, and even the differences among them, you know, because you have Fox TV, which is pretty much right-wing media. You have things like CNN, which say, well, we are objective. But they all come from the perspective of the interest of capitalism. And you can see that on questions like the run-up to the Iraq War, where all across the media, from the openly right-wing Fox to the so-called partial CNN, neutral CNN, to the more left MSNBC and the various newspapers, were all in the pro-war camp. Yeah, even NPR, really. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other subject. I wasn't uh, actually laying them... You know, NPR's stations divide up, and even NPR shows divide up. Mm -hmm. But when you put them all together, they're kind of in the same camp. They're a minor voice within the same camp. Well, we actually think it's going to be important. The first thing that's going to happen is that these capitalist media concerns will become public property, and they will be government media. They will... That means that they will also follow the same principles of diversity of viewpoint, and there will be a revolutionary viewpoint very strongly put forward. But people will also be called on who have differences with that in various respects and even totally oppose it will be aired in that media so that everybody can hear it. The other thing is that the government will fund independent media, and again, pay attention to a diversity of viewpoints. And that's to make sure that various opinions are put out and put out in unfettered ways. And then there'll also be provisions for uh, self-generated media, people who don't want to take government support because they might think it compromises 
their nice. message or their ability to put their message out will be allowed to raise their own funds. And there will be a specific media of the Revolutionary Communist Party, which will still exist, because we won't view the government media as our media. We'll be, trying, we'll be leading the government and having influence through it, but we won't view the media as a, that media as our media. We'll have our own media. But government support for that would only be at 50% of the level of government support for other independent media. And the reason that we're setting that limit is that we feel that uh, specifically revolutionary media should view itself as having the responsibility to bring forward its own support. So we'd have to rely on members and supporters to finance us up to the level to be able to get our media out. And what we're trying to put forward in this and envision in this is a world where there would be a wild and woolly um, meeting of the minds in terms of discussion, engagement, debate, and controversy with a lot of different viewpoints put out because we think it's through the course of that that people are going get, to get to reality. And we're going to try to lead, we're going to be leading that overall process in order to understand reality as deeply as possible and transform it in the desired direction, which is the direction of a classless communist world. All right. Well, the time is now 9.37, just uh, a little bit over 20 minutes left in the program. You're listening to the Thursday Morning Report. Uh, this morning, I'm speaking with Carl Dix, uh, founding member of the Revolutionary Communist Party, about uh, the just-released new Constitution for the New Socialist Republic in North America. Uh, getting about time uh, to take call-ins from the public, so if you have any questions from our guests, please uh, give a call in the studio here. That's 895 Two four four eight, and the one thing I wanted to discuss with you was this notion of uh, the creation of a possible autonomous regions within uh, the socialist republic. This was something I, I had never seen in a constitution before. Um, so I wanted you to explain that, if you will, to the public. Okay, it's actually a principle that has been in some other revolutionary documents. We, you know, like um, I think in the constitution in China and even in the Soviet Union provisions for these existed. We don't think, though, that in those situations, those societies always followed through on the promise of those provisions. And we think that's important, because what it comes down to is there, have been, there has been a history of oppression and suppression of various oppressed nationalities. I mean, in the Southwest, I already talked about uh, the Mexican-American population people descended from Mexico who are in this country. And then there's the objective fact that much of the Southwest was taken from Mexico in various wars of aggression. There's the fact of black people who were forcibly brought to the country, worked as slaves to build up the wealth and power of this society, but not allowed to share in that as slaves, and also not allowed to share very much in that since the end of slavery for the part of the, on the part of the overwhelming majority of black people. And that those histories of oppression have led to the formation of specific national groupings in this country, which we have, feel have various rights to autonomy and self-government up to and including the level of 
independent societies. And we feel that for there to be a voluntary union of the various nationalities in this country, there has to, it has to really be voluntary, meaning that some of the nationalities that felt like they hadn't gotten fair shakes needed to have the ability to determine whether they wanted to stay together in the society. Mm-hmm. Now, from our perspective as revolutionaries, we'd want to see the largest possible revolutionary society as a unified thing, but that isn't something that we would want to enforce on people. So that's why these various rights to autonomy are going to be put forward. And and it's basically the point to the message of this Constitution, which is that things don't have to be this way, Mm -hmm. that through revolution we could bring a totally different and far better world into being. And then we gave a lot of thought and put a lot of work into what should that different world look like? What are the different things that it has to encompass? And that's what we put in this Constitution. And we want to hear from a lot of people around it. We want people to read it and to say what they think about it. You know, and we understand that this is not at all the tip that most people are on. And not just that it's a communist vision for the world, but even that there could be any different vision of the world. Because most people today think that the way things are are the way that they have to be. And we want to affect and and are working to affect them in the way of opening up their sights to the possibility of something different. Because we don't think that people can act to bring into being something different until they think it's possible for things to be different. So we want to raise the vision that something different is indeed possible. Yeah, that, I mean, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I had you on the show, was just to open up, you know, hey, let's think outside of the box. The more the more different ideas that we can get, and the more open-minded that we can be, then, you know, I think most of us are realizing that we're in a position where, um, you know, things aren't going very well in terms of the present economy and the present system, so time to start thinking about some changes. But I've got a lot of calls coming in, Carl, so why don't we uh, see, okay. what, see what the public want want to know. Uh, Good morning. You're on KZYX. I wish I could promise you that at last you're going to get that 40 acres and a mule, (laughs) but I can't do that. Um, I'm sure you realize, Doug, this is going to be the last program like this that will ever be heard on this station. Oh, you think so? (laughs) But uh, God bless you for having the courage to do it. Well, thank you. Uh, My challenge to you, John Cote, is that you have guts enough they have programs like this on in the evening. It's about time and past time. Thank you for the program. All right. Thanks for your call. Uh, just so everyone knows, I actually got plenty of support from management here uh, to do this program. They were, they were kind of happy to have a, an alternate point of view as well. Uh, so here, let's take another call and see if uh, we get a question for our guest. Uh, good morning. You're on KZYX. you have a question for Carl? Yeah, just curious. I'm all for free speech, and I think it's great, but... Aren't there homeland security issues and FCC guidelines on advocating the overthrow of the government and all those kind of things that you have to deal with here? Okay, well, look. I mean, even before homeland security, this government and this society was very hostile towards the expression of revolutionary and even radical ideas. Um, What we have to say, though, is that we have to, we in the Revolutionary Communist Party, look at the reality in this society and in the world and 
from that look at reality, we think that things are like unending series of horrors being inflicted on people here in this country and around the world. And I could speak for the rest of the program and beyond in cataloging those, and that the only way that you're going to fundamentally change that is through revolution. So we're going to tell people that. We'll also tell people we are building a movement for revolution. And this constitution that I've been talking about is an expression of the goals of that movement. And we feel like this is a message that needs to be out there. We know that uh, the government is hostile towards that message, but that's not going to stop us from putting it out. Have you found yourself uh, being harassed or surveilled? Um surveilled, (laughs) of course, including, I'm sure that my words are probably being listened to right now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm glad that you have support in terms of management, because I wouldn't want this to be your swan song (laughs) (laughs) in terms of that, because people do need to hear different ideas. They need to hear different ideas under this society. Yeah. I mean, they're going to hear different ideas under the revolutionary society because that's going to be one of the principles of the society. But people need to hear these different ideas. And, um, I mean, things like uh, Bob Avakian, our chairman, was facing 240 years in jail back in the 1980s for a speech that he gave. Wow. You know, and that's what it was, a speech that he gave. Um, It was on the occasion of Deng Xiaoping's visit to the White House with Richard not Richard Nixon, the late 70s, 1979, whoever he was visiting. Carter, it was Jimmy Carter, 1979. Hmm. And there was a demonstration, which we had a permit for and all like that, and the police revoked our permit a half a block from the White House, attacked the march, and arrested a bunch of people. Avakian had given a speech before that march, and they gave him a charge for every person they arrested. Oh, wow. They said his speech incited the illegality of the march, which didn't become illegal, like I said, until a half a block from the White House. And he was facing that. uh, We were successful in beating that uh, legal attack. But, you know, in different forms, they've come at us ever since, and we pay attention to that, but we don't shut up or water down our message in the face of it. All right. Well, very good. Uh, we have calls rolling in here, so let me take as many as I can before Okay, the and I'll try to be briefer. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Are you there? I didn't get it. Good morning. You're on KZYX. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, I am very excited today. I am hearing something that gives me hope. Excellent. Uh, I am hearing something also that gives me questions. Well, um, let's hear them. All right. May I ask Mr. Carl Dick, how is it that his organization plans to deal with the inevitable saboteurs and co-opters that appear in any revolutionary movement and always have and have been especially right within the Communist Party? Hmm. And uh, may I also, my second point is, how do I join? <laughs> there how do you go. I go? How do I sign up? Okay. Great question. All right. right. Let me uh, start with the first one. Uh, I mean, in terms of saboteurs and co-opters, what we 
work at doing is make our message very, very clear. Things don't have to be this way, and through revolution we could bring something completely different into being, and that we're building a movement for revolution, and we unleash that movement to spread this message and build resistance. And we try to broadly involve people in that, including in looking at the direction of that, because we think that the best way to figure out whether people are genuinely with you or pretending to be with you for other aims is to say, get out among the people and bring people forward around this message and to build this resistance with this goal. And then to discuss that among the people who are coming forward and getting involved. And that way we feel like we can find out who's actually genuine, what are questions about the activities and approaches that are coming. And both, that's the way to deal with people who may not be with you for good intentions, but that's also the way to deal with mistakes on the part of people who are, in fact, well-intentioned, because we need to be doing that today, and we'll need to be doing it on a much broader scale in the new revolutionary society, because that's the way you keep things on the road to revolution. In terms of how you can hook up with us, there are two things to do in relation to that. Um, one is go to the website, www.revcom.us. Uh, you'll find our weekly newspaper there. You'll also find ways to contact us. Now, my geography of California is not the best, but I'm thinking Mendocino was more in the northern half. Exactly. A few hours uh, north of San Francisco. Okay, because that means we have organization in your vicinity in the San Francisco Bay Area in general. There's a Revolution Books in Berkeley, and you could contact the uh, Revolutionary Communist Party there. All right, very good. Uh, just about 10 minutes left, and uh, still got a lot of calls here. So, uh, Good morning. You're on KZYX. Do you have a question? Uh, no, not really a question. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, it is kind of a question. Why not take the government that we have now and do the very, very hard work of making those changes peacefully. I really don't think that revolution is the answer, because we have so many extremist factions that we would have to be fighting who don't want to give up their positions, their ideas. We, and I will put in, I will add Republicans to the extreme factions, but also the free men, the religious right. They don't want to give up their their attitudes, uh, the Tea Party that's gaining great strength, the Ku Klux Klan, Libertarians, Democrats, the Green Party, the Marijuana Party. I mean, <laughs> um, these pe and and you know, uh, and largely I've noticed that KZYX supports uh, the the profiting off of prohibition. They covet prohibition. They have a wonderful, and I, I mean, I think it's more the people huh. who call in who really think that it's wonderful. Yeah, that's not definitely the opinion of the station itself, but I no, do, I do no. hear you that it seems um, to be the overwhelming uh, yeah. response to the question that I've heard. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to say that NPR has a bent toward war, uh, a certain bent toward war and, and uh, capitalism, I think we really have to look at 
what we hear on KZYX, too. I mean, uh, there are Fair a enough. lot of good things come out of KZYX, but but one of the largest, one of the strongest factions I see is the is the marijuana faction that is in denial of what it's doing, and which has a wonderful connection with the government in with prohibition. And if we try, I. I I think we're lazy people, and I think we don't want to do the hard work of working within the government we have now to make those changes, because we have wonderful things in this government. We have absolutely wonderful things. And it's not sexy to just say over the airwaves that uh, let's work with the government we have now. Uh, Saying revolution, that's more exciting, that's more sexy, it's more cool. Uh, Why don't we do the less cool thing and work within the government that we already have. If we try to create revolution, peaceful revolution or utopian revolution, uh, we're in a dream world. It's just not possible, again, because of those extremist factions that are out there. They they don't want to change. And we we do have to be willing to change, but we can change within the structure that we have. It's not easy. Well, certainly not easy, but it's a lot easier to say, "Oh no, let's just have revolution. Let's let's not work hard to change what we've got now." All right, ma'am. Let's let's give Mr. Dix a chance to reply. Okay, thank you. Thanks for your call. Uh huh. Bye bye. Okay. I mean, good point this raised, and just briefly to speak to that, there are a lot of forces out there who are in opposition to what I'm talking about, you know, the caller talked about the religious right, mm-hmm. the Tea Party, the Republicans, the Libertarians. The point about that is all of those viewpoints represent the interest of capitalism and maintaining a certain set of economic relations and social and political relations that go along with it. And we need to sharply pose that question in society. One reason you have to pose it that way is that there's another side and people on the other side who get sucked into thinking that the Democratic Party or other parties that are working within the process, but mainly the Democratic Party, represent the interest of the people when actually they also represent capitalist economic and social relations. And we need to make that clear to people and polarize people on that level, and that will both bring another grouping into the field, but it will also pull people away from some of those views, because what's motivating people is that they see the instability in society, they see the problems in society, and they have bought the message that if the government just got out of the way and let capitalism work, it would deal with these problems. Well, that's very untrue. In fact, the government is helping capitalism to work. And it's bringing on those problems and more problems. And some people can be won away from those forces. But the basic reason to not work through this government is that this is a government that was brought into being and exists to maintain that capitalist system, to keep it in effect. And if we channel our efforts into that, we're actually going to be demobilized and paralyzed in terms of making the changes that are required because it goes right to the heart of this system. And, you know, that's why we come at it as we do, and we're not being utopian in relation to that. A movement for revolution is necessary. And as I said before, that movement will have to defeat and dismantle the forces of this old order to bring the kind of world 
into being that people need to live in and would want to live in. Uh, what about, uh, do, you, do you think that it would be uh, a possibility that uh, these changes could be made uh, through nonviolent revolutionary means? Okay, I mean, that will be determined by the response of the system. And, you know, I guess uh, at one point in a recent thing, uh, Bob Avakian said maybe the way to do it would be to give them a certain time period, maybe 24 hours to dismantle, and only if they didn't act on that to move in a different way. But, I mean, we've looked at the history of this society and the way that they've dealt with challenges. And you could go all the way back to the beginning where the founding fathers who wrote that point about when the, uh, it's, uh, I forget whether it's in the Bill of Rights or whatever, where it says when the governed decide that the society isn't working in their interest, they have the responsibility mm-hmm. to rise up against it. Well, some poor farmers in the 1780s or 1790s rose up in Shays' Rebellion because they were felt that they were really being messed over by the society. The founding fathers were present and on the scene, and some of them led a very brutal and violent crushing of that uprising, and that kind of thing has been in effect all the way through, I mean, toward the way that they dealt with the uh, Black Panther Party in the 1970s, the way that they dealt with the old Communist Party in the 1950s. Um, So we would expect that they would move to violently suppress the revolutionary people and that we would need to meet and defeat those attempts at violent suppression. Well, Mr. Dix, we've got about 60 seconds left. I want to thank you very much for being on the program. We've got a lot of calls still coming in. I'm afraid we're not going to get to. Do you uh, want to take about 30 seconds here and and, uh, just kind of wrap it up and maybe give out uh, the contact information, the website again? I would say last words would be go to the website, www.revcom.us. Get in contact with Revolution Books in Berkeley and the world... Things don't have to be this way. Through revolution, we could bring a totally different and far better world into being. And we in the Revolutionary Communist Party are building a movement for revolution, and we encourage people to check it out and to get with it. All right. Uh, thanks again for being on the program. That was a great interview. I think a lot, you, of, a lot of people enjoyed it. Learned a lot. Uh, take care, and I'll get a copy to uh, the Revolution Books in New York there. I have their address, so I'll send them a copy, a CD of the interview. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you much. All right, bye. Take care. And there you go. I will take a second to make a disclaimer. The uh, views expressed on this program are not the views of uh, management or staff or the board of directors of KZYX and uh, are the views uh, only of the person who was interviewed. Uh, But uh, interesting interview. I want to thank everybody for listening and especially all of you who called in. This is the Thursday Morning Report. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. I'll be back in two weeks. You've been listening right here on KZYX 90.7 FM Philo, KZYZ 91.5 FM Willits and Ukiah, 88.1 FM Fort Bragg. This is Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. We're streaming on the web at kzyx.org.